Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. I have some friends join me on the stage that are in small groups and Dream Team. Would you welcome them, everybody? And they're going to help me today. And I'm supposed to stay seated, but I'm not good at it. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down in just a moment when we start talking through them. But today I want to give you all of my favorite Bible verses. So one of the things that people always ask is, Pastor, do you have a favorite passage in the Bible? And the truth is, the answer is yes, I do. But I'm going to give you all of my favorite ones in one, in one service today. So you don't ever have to wonder. I wonder what Pastor's favorite Bible passages are. These are all of them and all today. I'll start with this. If you have your Bible, Psalms 92 This is probably my favorite passage in all of the book of Psalms and maybe in all of the Bible because it really is what I've given my life to. If I have a life message, this is it. Uh, Psalms 92 and verse 12 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now let me just pause here and say, the reason I pray this prayer every day is because those are tall trees. Come on, somebody. So I'm looking to grow. Are you all with me on that? Those are not big round trees, those are tall trees. So that's I'm holding on to that promise today. Verse 13, probably my favorite passage in all of the Bible, 90, uh, Psalm 92 and verse 13. Planted where? No, I'll say it better than that. Where are you planted at? In the house of the Lord. Then they flourish in the courts of our God. I want you to see this before they go to the next verse. There is a correlation between your willingness to be planted and God's willingness to flourish every area of your life. And a lot of people want to skip the process and just get to the flourishing part, right? I just want my marriage to flourish. I want my business to flourish. I want my emotional health to flourish. I want my children to flourish. And all of us want that, and you ought to. And and, and those are good, worthwhile pursuits. But there's something you got to do for that. Psalms 92 says if you'll get planted in God's house, then there's a flourishing that happens in your life. And this is the part I love. This is really my deepest prayer uh, in my own life. I, I pray a few things every day. I pray Ephesians over you every day. And, and then I pray this over my own life every day, Psalm 92 and 14. People who are planted in God's house, that not only do they grow tall, not only do they flourish, the Bible says they will still bear fruit in old age and they will stay fresh and green. You ought to amen that. I, I refuse to be old and crusty when I'm 85 years old, everybody. I'm going to be fresh and green. Can I get a better amen? I want to have vibrancy and vitality. And you say, well, pastor, you can't, you know, eating like that. You're not going to. And you're probably right. But not just, not just physically. I want my spiritual life to stay fresh and green. I don't want to ever get to the point where I think, well, I've done my time. I've paid my dues. I've, I've served all I'm going to, prayed all I'm going to, invited all I'm going to, served other people. I've done all, I've worshiped. Every, no, I'm going to stay fresh and green in my old age. I mean, y'all going to catch me at 87 still chasing brandy around the house. Come on, somebody. That's where, I, brother's not, I'm not going to give in. I refuse to die bitter and alone and hold, and I want God to give freshness to my life. If you're in church today in your 40s or 50s or 60s or maybe 70s and 80s, I want you to know you can, there's a freshness to your life, and I think it's connected to your relationship to the family of God. You'll get planted, you'll flourish. Verse 15, when you get old, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to proclaim the Lord is upright, and He is my rock, and there's no wickedness in Him. I want you to live your life in such a way that when you look back over your life, you're going to go, man, that's the best decision I ever made was to get planted in God's house. 
There's a bunch of people who could sit here and talk about that today, but I've invited these folks to talk about that today, and I want you to hear from them. So we'll start at the end. You just tell who you are, when you got to church, a little bit of your faith story. We'll start with. Yeah, uh, my name is Paola, and uh, I was born and raised in a Pentecostal church, and uh, right around the time that I was going to college, uh, unfortunately, my family decided to turn away from the church, and I had a really big decision to make. I either chose to isolate myself and stay away from the church or choose God, and it wasn't an easy decision, but I, I chose God, and um, shortly after that, I got married and um, moved here at 1604 I-10, and we were like, we need to find a church. We went to every church down I-10 for a full year, um, and we were very, very frustrated, but there was one church that we hadn't visited yet, and it was at Van Robb Elementary, and we go to City Hills, and we knew that was our church. So that same Sunday, they had a welcome home night, so we decided to go literally like, what, three hours later, we were back at, uh, at church, and uh, yeah, haven't looked back since. Hey, if you're a first-time guest today, you ought to join the church today. That's the, <laughs> you don't need to get anything else. You have that right there. Russ and Paula, her husband's name is Russ. She didn't say that. Russ and Paula, they just had a new baby two and a half months ago, a squishy little fat baby. <laughs> My favorite part of pastoring I've just entered into, and that's where young couples have babies in our church, and I just love, 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 love that. All right, Domain's right here in the center. My name's Jason Domain, JD, if, if, if it's easier for you. Uh, I was born and raised in a Pentecostal church. Uh, the first 32 years of my life, we lived in Crowley, and we went to one church, and then oil and gas transferred me to Houma, Louisiana, where we spent 28 years pastor asked me, I told him, I said, I, I got to go. This is my job. He said, you need to go to this church because that church needs help. It's an elderly gentleman. Go and be a part of that. 28 years there. And we've been here three years, almost three years. Now, the way we got connected with this church is when we were in Louisiana, we had a, a, a seminar, a leadership meeting and we had known for some time that when we retire, we're going to go to San Antonio. We didn't know this guy from Adam. He came and he spoke. And when he spoke and he said he's from the Bernie San Antonio area, Carla said, that's where we're going. We're going to look him up. So the Lord had something even before we knew him. He plans our order. He Good. sets things in order for us. And that's how we got invested here. And I hope I'm here another 30 years. Come Pastor. on, somebody. 32 years in one church, 28 years in the next church. We need 35. We're praying for 35 here. Let me, let me just, he didn't say this, but I'll say this. Uh, you're, you're in a church today that somebody stuck around to help build. And just remember, 20 years from now, if you want your kids and grandkids in a vibrant, life-giving, spirit-empowered purpose-driven church, it's going to be because somebody stays 30 years and builds the, the, the railroad tracks that that train runs on. Are you with me, everybody? That's how churches are built, by the way, and so I'm so glad. He, he's Cajun, if you didn't know that. So anyway, uh, the domains, and they're wearing Tigers gear. Go Tigers, LSU. All right, the very end. 
Hi, uh, my name is Amanda. This is my husband, Andrew. Um, I grew up going to church, but not knowing too much about Jesus or not knowing that he wanted a personal relationship with me. And it wasn't until high school um, that I learned that. Uh, and that's largely through a ministry called Young Life that's played, played a big role in my story. Um, but I went off to college, and it was a good opportunity for, really, for me to take ownership of my faith and, and make it my own. Um, and that was such a fundamental time for me um, in my faith and really built the foundation for where I am today. Um, I started coming to City Hills about six years ago at the movie theater, so it's been a while. Um, And uh, Andrew and I got married two years ago, and when we got engaged in the midst of COVID and all the craziness in the world, we decided that we needed to to pick one church and, and start going to church together, and we made City Hills our church home together. That's another word. If you're dating somebody and they go to another church, tell them they got to come to yours or it's over with. <laughs> that's just, that's a word for somebody here. Andrew. And, uh, yeah, so I grew up in church uh, my whole life from a young age, found Jesus when I was young, um, all through middle school and high school, was involved with my local church. Um, but once I went to college, kind of steered away, didn't surround myself with people that made that a priority. Um, so in turn, you know, my relationship with Jesus lacked or it was non-existent. Um, after college, moved to San Antonio, immediately knew like I wanted to get back into church. I did um, re- relit that relationship. Um, it's stronger now than it was way before you know, college and all that. Um, and a big part of that was getting involved with small group and community at the church I was attending at the time. Yeah. And like Amanda said, once we got engaged, we're like, hey, we need to stop splitting time between a church in town and a church in Bernie. And so we, uh, we stuck with City Hills and haven't looked back. I love that. So you say at college you walked away from God. Do you think that's because it was A&M? Do you think that's why? Uh, no, it wasn't. Okay. I, just, I didn't know. I was, it was an honest question. People in Arkansas don't do that. They come to God in college. And so I just I didn't know if that was why. All right, here's what I love about that. Everybody's got a different story. Some people, you know, college was struggles. Some, some people live their whole lives this way and never. 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, 1 Corinthians. I'm giving you all my favorite passages. 1 Corinthians 12 today. Just as a body, even though it's one, even though your body's one body, it has a lot of parts. But all of its many parts form, everybody say one body. One body, one church. And so it is with Christ. Skip down to verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body. Here we are again with this analogy of your body. All of them make one body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Leave that there and listen to me. You're not here by accident. God put you where he wants you. Just as he wanted them to be is how God puts you in in his family. God sets you, as a matter of fact, Psalm 68 says it like this, that God sets the lonely in families and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. God sets the lonely in families. God puts you right where he wants you to be. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Here's the last part. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Here's what's so valuable about a spiritual family is you need every part of your body. You don't know you need it till you don't have it, right? You ever hurt a part of your body and you think, I didn't even realize... I had a muscle there until I pulled a muscle there. 
Okay, let me ask it this way. Anybody over 40 ever realize you didn't have a muscle there till you put, there you go. And then you're like, I don't even know, I, like, I don't even know my toe was that important until I stubbed it. Now I can't walk. Are y'all with me, everybody? The part of the body is so important. I grew up in a church that would, I, I never forget one time I heard my pastor just, man, he was just, you know, he's preaching and pointed and I'm, I'm, I'm a little honestly convicted about it because sometimes I do that and I felt like he pointed right at me and he said, if you leave this church, God will fill your seat with somebody else. And the truth is he's right, right? Jesus is going to build his church, but the fact is nobody can take your place, right? You have a part of the body and you don't know you need it till you need it. So here's my question that we'll start with. And I want to know, give me a time in your life when a small group or a team that you're on well, you felt like I need spiritual family. Like I didn't know I needed it till I needed it. And then when I did, I really needed spiritual family in my life. Anybody? We'll start. Carla? Um, we had only been here right at a year when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was in two small groups at the time. And I, there's no way I could have made it without them. I had so many people praying for me. I had so many people calling me, offering food, checking up on me. Um, and I don't have but one brother here, so I didn't have a lot of family, and I had a very large family going through this, and not long after, Jason ends up with um, prostate cancer, and the same thing, and not only our small groups, but our team, we're on the greeters team, we had greeters checking up on us, praying for us, bringing us food, it's, it was our family, they really, really made an impression on us, and I don't know how we would have gotten through it without our family. So good. Two cancer diagnoses in the, in the course of two years, three years, two years. Two years. And I, I remember, I mean, I, I, I can just recall that shortly before your cancer diagnosis, you just buried your mother. And I just, I remember how the family of God shows up. You don't know you need it till you need it. Amen, everybody? You don't know you need it till anybody else have that story, that small group? Yeah. Um, like I said, we went to welcome home uh, that same Sunday. And that same Sunday, we also signed up for our first small group, so we went to... Wait, you're my favorite saint so far. <laughs> first day here, you joined the church, and you joined a small group. Yeah. You're my favorite saint. You yeah. won today. Yeah. So our small group was um, young married couples with no kids, um, and that small group was going to meet on Tuesday, so we went to church on Sunday, went to welcome home that night, and on Tuesday, we were at Brody and Julie's apartment for a small group, and um, marriage, you can do it. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it without God, but you cannot do it without community, without people that are going through it with you, without people that have been through it already and that can guide you. And so that has been the biggest blessing that there's always somebody going through the same season of life um, or that has already been through it. And so um, a year into us being here at City Hills, um, Russ and I got pregnant and unfortunately it it ended in a miscarriage and um, our church family was there. Uh, there was people from our church um, that had gone through a miscarriage. Nobody in my family had ever gone through that and felt really lonely. And um, people were here just showing up for us, um, asking us how we were doing and uh, praying for us. Uh, And then a year later, we get pregnant and we just had our our baby girl in December. And, um, you know, we've had meals taken to our church. Pastor has offered to babysit. Uh, So, yeah, it's been great. There's a couple of reasons. Let me clear this up. A couple of reasons. 
The primary one is it's my it's the best form of birth control. Can I get a better amen, everybody? Like that, we know we're done when we keep their kids. But I also just like fat, squishy babies. So anyway, I love that story. I remember the day you told me that your first baby was in heaven, and just the darkest seasons of your life where you're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to stand in a hospital room alone. You're not supposed to be in the waiting room alone. You're not supposed to be in an empty grave alone. You're not supposed to be, you're just not supposed to be alone when things are, are difficult. And it's, it's what God's family is for. And I love that your group shows up. I remember Rick Warren, uh, the pastor of Saddleback, the founding pastor of Saddleback Church in, uh, in Southern California. He wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, the best-selling book on planet Earth besides the Bible is The Purpose Driven Life. But he tells a story in this book about his son who had dealt with mental illness all of his life, a severe, severe mental illness, and had um, lived on his own. Uh, that was a big step. Uh, he was living on his own, had his own apartment, but still really, really, really struggling. And um, that one night they couldn't get their son to answer the phone uh, from his apartment. The next morning, uh, uh, Pastor Rick and Kay, his wife, show up at the door um, with a cop, and 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 the story was um, had ended, and uh, just in a in a down moment, his son had taken his life. And I remember in the book he says one of the most powerful things I like picture in my mind is he said in the driveway of my son's apartment with a coroner inside my small group is standing in the driveway and they literally held me up. Like I literally fell down and my small group was there to help. Here's, here's the reason I tell you that. Because you're going to, there's going to be a tough time in your life when you need somebody to hold you up. And if you're not there yet, I'm, I, I'm a positive preacher, but I'm positive you're going to have a tough time in your life when you need somebody there, when a miscarriage, when a cancer diagnosis, when something happens in your life that you're going to hope there's spiritual family around you that lifts you up, encourages you, strengthens you, shows up for you. How about you guys? Small group story? Yeah. I'll, I'll speak on that. So Andrew and I have also been pretty involved with the young couples uh, with no kids group. And Stand by. <laughs> Same group. They're pregnant, by the way. So if you want a baby, it's the, it's, the, it's the young couples without kids group. They all have kids eventually. So anyways. Um, and I, I agree with Paula. It's been such an encouragement to us to just be around um, other people in the same stage of life uh, who are going through the same struggles right now, and it's so encouraging to see um, other young people and other young families chasing after God, and, um, you know, Andrew and I are getting ready to go through a big change, a happy change. We're, we're having our first baby in April, and have just felt so loved and encouraged during this season by our family here at church, by the people in our small group, the people who are a few steps ahead of us, um, and just feel so confident as we, we get ready to step into this next stage of life. Um, just knowing that we have so many people here, not only to care for us, but love our babies so much already. Um, and uh, we're, we're just so blessed by all of you in the room. So. We've prayed out loud and privately that your baby looks like you and not like Andrew. So that's our biggest prayer is that the baby looks like Amanda. Sweet little girl. I love that. I love how small groups have done that. Not just small groups, but here at our church, if you're new to our church, there's really two paths for you to get connected here. And there's a lot of people who have a misconception about our model for serving. Um, 
Let me, let me go on record as saying I just don't make any apologies for encouraging people to serve. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, if you're waiting on me to back up or apologize for that, it's just not who we are. Now, I, I think you're never more like Jesus Christ than when you serve other people. Can I get a better amen, everybody? That's just the way, um, that's just the way Jesus led his life. But, but you, can get, you can get cared for, pastored, a spiritual family here, and really those two paths, joining a small group or joining a team. And when you join a team, a couple of things happen. Not only are you cared for and somebody knows your name and somebody cares for you and pastors you and shows up and, and prays for you and is concerned about you, but you also have some other things in your life. There's some other benefits through that. Let me give you another verse that is a life verse for me that may be one of my favorite verses in all the Bibles, Proverbs 11 and verse 25. Proverbs 11, 25, the New Testament uh, in the New Living Translation says, the generous will, everybody say the next word. That's not a dirty word, by the way. I know that prosperity gospels made it a dirty word, but it's not. That just means everything in your life is going to go well. That's what I want, by the way. I want want my life to go well. The generous are going to prosper. And those who, here it is, refresh others will themselves be refreshed. So I like to say it like this, that God hardwired you, he hardwired me, that when you pour your life out for other people, God fills you up. Let me say it better like this. If you're so full of you and you never pour you out, God doesn't have any availability to pour back into you and refresh you. But if you live your life pouring out and refreshing and, and, and it's amazing what happens, it comes back to you. There's fulfillment and peace and refreshment and joy. And when I give it away, you don't when you when you give it away, it doesn't leave you. God, God pours it back into you. He says it like this in, in, in the book of Proverbs that God gives seed to the sower. In other words, every time you reach into that seed bag and you throw seed, you serve other people, you invest, you generously give. You, every time you do that, when you put your hand back in that seed bag, God puts more seed in there. Do you understand that, everybody? There, it's, it's, it's amazing how God hardwired you that way. And the people on this stage have been hardwired that way. To, so, to switching to teams, why don't you tell me a time that you feel like, man, I sowed my life, I poured my life out, I served other people, I gave generously, and it came back to me in such a way that refreshed every part of my life. Anybody? J.D.? In the uh, going way back now in the late 60s, early 70s, we, so there's a lot of things, we call them small groups, and we have outreach and all that stuff. Back then, we knocked doors. It was just, it was not a fancy name. We just went on visitation is what they called it. And Today, today you'll get shot, by the way, if you do that. <laughs> Probably right. yeah. so. Today, in the church in Crowley, where we lived and, and spent so much time, the first part of our life, there's probably three generations. The old people have died. Their children are still going to church there, and their children, their children are going there. That's one of the things that when you, you sow... And when you give, that you can go back to because we knocked so on a good. door. They came to church, and that's generations of people, and they have reached other family. Yeah. So that that's one of the things you can. It's like we're going to have a star in in our crown, a diamond in our crown for the things that we've done to help other people. That's one of the things that's that's good for me. Yeah. 
Anybody else you say serving, pouring my life out? Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, I'll kind of piggyback off what Jason was saying. Um, me and Amanda serve on greeting, but another team we're on is the Welcome Home team. It's basically like the new member class to get people um, up and running with the church and getting them plugged in. So for us personally, how we just get fed so much through that and replenished and like just makes it all worthwhile is um, you see people come in, they either do or don't know God, and then they, you know, that's kind of step one. But then after that is they get planted, and it's just, like, so um, rewarding to, like, be sitting up here and see people who is at my table or other people's tables that are now so involved so and planted good. in the church. Like, I'm, I'm looking at some of y'all, so just, you know, um, it just makes me so happy and fulfilled to see y'all find your purpose and get planted in the church and so that you can do the same thing. So kind of, like, tying into what Jason was saying, just building that generational um, yep aspect of the church building. I love that. I love that about our church. I love it's a multi-generational church. I love, I have a 12-year-old little girl who's serving right now in this service. And I love that, that we're, everybody, if it dies with us, it wasn't God. Because God's the God of generations. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if it dies with Abraham, it really wasn't legacy, right? So if it dies with you or it dies with me, it's not really legacy. It did, I mean, it, I, I appreciate all that it does in that generation, but if God's in it, it's at least two or three generations down that people's lives are transformed. I love that right now there's dozens and dozens of kids in a small group. Right now, while I'm preaching to you, there are kids in kids' ministry who are sitting in circles, filling out prayer requests. And you say, well, what, 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 kind, you know, what are they struggling? What, why do they need spiritual family? They may not need it at nine, but I don't want to wait till they're 19 to teach them that you go to God's people when you need healing in your life. Can I get a better amen, everybody? So I'm going to teach my 12-year-old before she's 22 that this is, this is the family of God's the safest place outside of our home. That God's house is the best place for you to grow and other people in your life and help you. They'll sow into you. Isaiah 58, let me give you one more. Isaiah 58 talks about serving and what it means to pour your life out. This is probably my favorite passage on serving other people and pouring your life out for other people. The Bible says it like this, Isaiah 58 and 10. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, let me stop here and say, most of the promises of God are on the other side of if. So today, there may be some things you're praying for and asking God for and, and, and believing God for. It could be on the other side of if. If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry... And if you satisfy the needs of the oppressed, everybody say then. It's a cause and effect. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. Verse 11. And the Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now watch this. Six benefits to serving other people, and it had nothing to do with other people. That's what I love about the God of the Bible is he's hardwired you such that if you pour your life out, God says, I'm going to pour more into you than you could ever pour out. Six things God said he'd do. Number one, your light will rise in the darkness. Let me just pause here and tell you, if you're in the darkest season of your life, the best way I know to claw your way out of darkness is serving. God hardwired you that when you focus on others, your light rises in the darkness. Second thing, he said your night becomes like noonday. 
you're walking through dark seasons of your life and it feels like it's nighttime all around you, your light will be like the noonday. Number three, the Lord will guide you always. God will satisfy your needs. God will strengthen you. In verse six, you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a well-watered spring when you pour your life out. So here's my question. In your experience, in your words, what are some tangible benefits? Like you can point to, you go, man, because of the way I've lived my life in generosity and serving others and giving my life away and serving on teams and leading small groups and greeting at a front door and being an usher and singing on a worship team, doesn't seem like you'd connect the dots. But when I connect the dots, when I gave my life away, this is the, here's some tangible benefits that show up, some practical ways you know God's poured back into your life. Anybody? Pastor, when, um, when I, I said that, that, that's not the only thing I did it was visitation, knocking on doors. Um, long story short, I got 50 plus years that we have been invested in serving. And we've been married for, it'll be 42 years, so Carla's got about 40 years. So we have 90 years of doing something. The Lord has allowed us to do... Uh, I cut grass for 20-something years in Homa. I was out there on the lawnmower, a lawnmower that nobody had money for. Someone gave me. I fixed it and did it, and the Lord blessed me with a brand-new lawnmower. Every time I did something, I always got something better. Yeah. Uh, so th- they had an old tractor that was broke down that when we bought and purchased the new land and was building the new church, the thing every 15 minutes it was broke, the Lord told me, and he'll ask things of you differently. Good. The things he asks of me may not apply to you. It, he's not going to ask you to go out and buy a tractor with a front-end loader and all that. But I felt impressed since I've always had tractors. I needed to update mine. I went and did that. And those are the things that help build that place. Because I plowed and dug and drug and burnt and Carla and I... We had, her and I had been out on the property and there were people that go to church, stop on the road and say, what are they doing out there? We were building the house of the Lord because the Lord allowed us to do that. But all that said, the things that I learned in church, the tangible part about it is everything I learned in church as I grew and worked in my job, I ended up in corporate America. The the way that the church taught me how to behave and how to treat people and deal with people and just be a part of everyone's life and see them not as what they demonstrated, but how the Lord kind of looks at them. Then I shared that with the people I worked with. And then as I learned things in corporate America, I brought it back to the church to help with the government, the administration, and everything we did. And the Lord just kept, he keeps on giving you a bonus. He, 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 uh, he lifts you up. I didn't ask for anything. He kept promoting us. That's one of the things when we serve selfishly and just jump in like, like she did. We three, they were hooked up in three services and they looked back. That's the kind of splash the Lord is making. That's the kind of change that you might need in your life. Make a splash and see where it goes. Because today we are blessed so much because the Lord allowed us to do this. Because we said yes, we made the choice and went with it. The Lord is faithful. 
And we are so blessed today. That is the part that, and, and I don't know why we've gone through sickness, but when we went through sickness, in the first service, I said it was like a mosquito bite. It might have been like a toast stomp or something. Yeah, yeah. But we just, we went through it, and I could get up and do a dance here, but I'm not a dancer. The Lord takes care of you. When you give to him, he gives back in other ways. Good, 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 good. Good, Jason. Get that front load, that, that front end loader ready, and when we buy land, I'm going to need you out there pushing dirt and, and doing all that. Paula? Yeah, um, honestly, just friendships in general. Um, I think nowadays it's very easy to live life um, on your own because you, you, know, you can connect with people over social media. You can connect with people you know, and not really have a personal relationship with them, but you know, outside of these four walls, we see our friends, you know, on the weekends. Hey, I have to go to the airport. Do you mind taking me? They'll take you, you know. Um, like we said, meal trains, you know. People are there to show up for you. And um, the, the friendships that you make are far beyond, like I said, these four walls. Um, it, it's, it's really blessed us. It's blessed our marriage. It's blessed me personally. And yeah. um, now that I'm a mom, I have a lot of mom friends that are going through the exact same thing. And, um yeah, it's been great. You, you told a story about you serve on production now. Our production teams arrive here at 6.30 this morning. Some of y'all didn't know there was a 6.30 in the morning. There's two 6.30s. There's one you know about, and there's one early, right? So at 6.30 in the morning, they were here, volunteers, by the way, all of them. And, and, and our production teams, they serve, and worship teams, they serve all three services. And you told a story about serving. Right, yeah. It, it's... Uh... It's easy to lose your motivation, you know. You, you see the alarm clock at 5.50, and you're like, oh, gosh. You know, you don't want to wake up. But um, as soon as you walk in those, those doors, you forget about it. You forget yeah. about um, what happened during the week. You forget yeah. about um, what's going on at home, what's going on in the family. And so I came that day, and I, was, I remember I was really tired for some reason. And I was in the booth, and um, Julie comes up to me and says, hey, I, I have somebody um, for you to meet. And uh, this girl had been coming to church for uh, a few weeks, actually, I think for a few months, um, and I, I didn't know about her. And um, so we connected. I invited her to the small group that I was leading at the time, and um, later down the line, I re uh, she told, tells me that, um, that that morning she had asked God to connect her with somebody because she 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 was scared to to make that connection to make that first step and so she prayed that God would show her um, somebody to connect with and finally get plugged into the church and that if she had not found that person that she would have she was going to leave that she was done she was tired of it um, and so now looking back I I say man if I had not shown up that Sunday good, good, good. and you know, I was the one leading the small group that was perfect for that season of her life. If I had not been here that Sunday, would yep. she have yep. come back? You know, I, we probably would have lost her, and, and she's still here today. So that makes me really happy. So good. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 4, all of this, 2 Corinthians 4, all of this is for your benefit. All of this is for your benefit. It's not, it's not so small groups fill up. It's not so 29 small groups are bigger. It's not so our teams get bigger, 17 teams. And I always tell you this, you know, we're doing a lot without you, but we could do a whole lot more with you. 
but it's not for us. All of this is for your benefit. And here's why, and I, and I love, we'll end on that story, is because God's grace reaches more and more people that way. Right? And then you realize that your life makes a difference in other people, and, and then there's great thanksgiving in heaven. There's this celebration that lives are transformed, and God gets more glory, all of all that. So there's a story in the New Testament I'll close with. John 1, Jesus Jesus is reaching for disciples. The next day, the Bible says, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And underline this in your Bible. John 1, flip there really quick. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Underline this phrase, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. Next verse, verse 44. And Philip... Like Andrew and Peter was from the town of Bethsaida. It's amazing. The only reason I bring that to you, listen, is because God builds his kingdom relationally. And some people say, I'll do anything, God. I'll I'll move to Africa. I'll, I'll go to Haiti. I'll go wherever you call me to go. Well, they're just all from the same small town. You don't have to, you don't have to cross the sea. You may just have to cross the cul-de-sac. So Philip and Andrew and Peter are all from the same small town. Verse 45. And Philip found Nathanael. Two verses. Verse 43. Jesus finds Philip. Verse 45. And Philip finds Nathanael. And tells him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and who the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Listen, Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathanael. Here's the question of the day. Write this in your notes. Who's counting on you? Somebody's counting on you. There's a new mom who's counting on you to help and be there and show up with a meal in your hand. There's somebody with a cancer diagnosis that nobody knows about, that they're battling an illness on the inside that nobody even knows, and they need spiritual family. They need somebody to show up and surround them. There's a young couple who's kind of walked away from God and needs just somebody put their arm around them tell them you're going to make them who's counting on you Jesus finds Philip Philip finds Nathaniel and there's somebody for you like there's somebody who can only you're the only one who can reach you're the only one in a small group who can really connect with them you're the only one on a team there's a child that needs you there's a 15 year old who needs you as a small group leader we had Sunday school JD and I had Sunday school we didn't have kids ministry we had Sunday school y'all remember that I'm glad we changed the name because I didn't even like Monday school. I sure didn't like Sunday school. So anyway. there's, a, there's a little boy back there from a single mom who needs another male in his life in a, in a kid's classroom who says, you can make it. God's got purpose for you. There's a 12-year-old girl who's been bullied at school who needs somebody to say, it's going to be okay. You can get through this. There are people who walked in today, maybe even in this service, and there's a greeter at a door who that smile changed everything. Just somebody at a booth who said, I'm just like you. I don't want you to believe it from me. I want you to see it from them. Somebody's counting on you. So today, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that, raise your hands, do anything. I'm going to ask you to actually do something. Like I'm going to ask you to take a step today. To join a group, you need a small group. You need a family. 
You, you need more than a church that you attend on Sunday. You need somebody that knows where you are, calls you, prays for you, lifts you up. Couples need it. Men need it. Women need it. Single adults need it. There's something for everybody. 29 groups. There's one for you, I promise. If you want a baby, go to the Young Couples Without Kids because they all, they all end up, now they all have a small group called Young Couples With Kids. So anyway. There's an empty nester small group. If you like physical activity, there's pickleball. There's a shooting group only in Texas. Only in Texas. Only in Texas will that get an amen. <laughs> you say, how's the shooting groups? How's that spiritual? Well, you have a dark day. And you got a brother's cell phone number who you can call. And you'll know why it's so spiritual. There's a team that needs you. I'm going to look you right in the eyes and tell you, we need you. We need you. Our church is growing like crazy. We need you. We need to start more churches. Can I just cast some vision to you? We need to start more services. I wrestled with a third service. You can see why we need a third service. First was packed. Second to be full. I'm, I'm sorry, third to be full again. And I wanted to start a Saturday night service because there's a bunch of people that need Jesus on Saturday night. Come on, everybody. Not y'all. Y'all got to come to this one. <laughs> we need to start a church in comfort. There's a whole community that's, that needs Jesus, needs a life-giving, spirit-filled church. We need to start a church in Fredericksburg. We need to start a church in Kerrville. It's for only comfort people, amen, really? There's people that drive here from Kerrville, Fredericksburg. We need to start churches all over. We need to keep reaching people. We need to build teams in every, every team. People always ask, well, Pastor, where do you need me the most? Everywhere. Greeters, musicians. If you can sing, you need to be on the worship team. Now listen, if you can't sing, do us a favor. Don't make us have to tell you you can't sing. You know what I mean? Just know. If you can play a guitar, or drums, or, why would you... You need to use it for God. You need to use what God gave you. You got a big smile. You can be in the parking lot. You say, I'm not really good with people. Parking lot people don't have to say anything. They just have to point this way. <laughs> you love kids. You can be a kids ministry, welcoming families. There's a place for you here. But here's what I want you to hear. It's not just for us. It's for you. You need that spiritual family. There's a place for you here. Somebody's counting on you to take your step today. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to let you go take your step. Stand up all over the house. <laughs> Why don't you give them a hand today? Would you give my friends a hand, Paola and the Domains and the Stubblefields? <laughs> Bow your heads and open your hands before the Lord, maybe. Just ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this, God? What do you want me to do? There's 29 small groups you could join today bunch of people in jerseys when you see them out there in the lobby just find one there's QR codes on the wall scan that join a team go to the big field goal if, you've, if you're not serving if you've been coming to church here for a while and you think where do I get how do you fill me back up God I feel empty well I can tell you if you'll refresh others God will refresh you if you'll pour your life out for others God has a way of pouring back into you if you're walking through the darkest season of your life your light will rise in the dark if if you'll spend your spend your life on behalf of other people join an outreach team serve single moms serve our outreach partners and 
the hill country and around the world. If you'll pour yourself out, God will pour back into you. Your nighttime will be like the noonday. So Holy Spirit, I just open my heart now. God, I open my life to whatever it is you want to say to me. God, my hands are open because it's the posture of my life, my heart. God, I just pray for the right group, the right people, the right family, the right small group. I pray. I pray for people who feel lonely today that you'd put them in spiritual family. I pray for people today who need purpose and, God, their lives to make a difference. I just ask you in Jesus' name, would you tap them on the shoulder and say, it's you. It's time to take a step. Get in the game. Don't be a spectator, but participate today. God, if you'll ask me, my answer is going to be yes. I'm going to take my step. I'm going all in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.